0: Here we go with Series 2, Episode 36 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We talk Celta Vigo, Arsenal, eggs in certain baskets. Uh, maybe that shouldn't be plural, baskets, though, should it? Uh, I'll give you a youth and loan roundup as I watch the Under-23 show. More fight than the first team to score twice after half-time to grab an unlikely 2-2 draw at the Emirates on Monday evening. But let's start off with a 2-0 defeat for the first team um, at the Emirates on a Sunday afternoon, a sunny Sunday afternoon. Um Jack, let's talk about that. You're sitting in a cafe, hence the uh, hence the jazz music in the background for the the most recent of our of our six or seven finals, as Juan Mata put it. Um, and if this was a final, we were we were humiliated. Um, eight changes, eight rubbish players in general, uh, except Axel Tuanzebe, who was superb and did himself proud as as he handled Alexis Sanchez completely.
1: Yeah, the, probably the only bright spot from that from the whole game. It was just an all-round pretty terrible performance <laughs> honestly um like you said Matt, Matt has said these last few games were all cup finals and we just got absolutely destroyed in the cup final um it could have been a lot worse than 2-0 honestly I think we're I mean we had a few chances that just came from at like sloppy play from Arsenal or lucky breaks here and there but honestly we deserved to get beat it was a pretty terrible performance and that could well spell the end for any hope that we had of making the top four and now it's it looks like it's all down to the Europa League
0: yeah I mean um With with hindsight, it looks like putting putting our eggs in the in the Europa League basket, which is a has has become a cliche uh, over these last few weeks. Um, Yeah, I mean it's an overused phrase, but it sort of sums it up quite well. Um, And Mourinho's thrown them all into that Europa League basket, and perhaps it was too early. I think I think after that Swansea draw, he thought, right, that's it. But then you get a result like Liverpool, which is another fantastic chance to move into the top four and another one that we've missed. Um, And I suppose it's just frustrating because top four has been there on so many occasions. But, um, I mean, it's odd in a way that so much rests on on the next two Europa League games. Um, I mean, the the entire season, Mourinho's entire reputation in football, um, the reputation of a lot of these players... Uh, the the way we say farewell likely um, to, to captain Wayne Rooney and, and top goal Wayne Rooney everything depends on beating Celso Vigo in the, the second leg of the Europa League semi-final and beating what will likely be Ajax in the Europa League final
1: Yeah it's a shame that it has to come down to that really I, I think I wasn't too annoyed with Mourinho making the changes because I understand why I think what then annoys me is that the the way that we then set up, um, which which we'll come onto more in, in a second, um, kind of annoys me the most. But I think it just kind of summed up the season this weekend really, because yet again it was us not failing, failing to take the chances that were offered to us by um, well by Liverpool this weekend. It's been Manchester City before. It's been Arsenal before. There have been so many opportunities this season where the teams around us have dropped points. Like it seems like every time they do, we go and drop points in exactly the same weekend, and it's just been so frustrating. Um, and in some ways, I'm. Obviously, hate to see us lose, but in some ways, I'm actually quite glad that our unbeaten streak has, has ended because it was probably the worst unbeaten streak in history. And me, hopefully, me, and Mourinho talks about it a little bit less. But yeah, it's a shame that our basically our entire season has come down to winning the Europa League, a competition that at the start of the season we all really didn't want to be in and we didn't really want any part of because we thought it would be a distraction from the Premier League. And it's turned out to be our kind of escape route, if you like, into the Champions League. So. I mean, oh, yeah, geez. yeah, but
0: I mean, just on the on the unbeaten run, um, it, it was a poor unbeaten run as, as they go. But just in in terms of the, the sheer scale of it, twenty five twenty five league games unbeaten, no matter how terrible the football and the results were at times, how many draws there were, it's still, I mean, for me, it's it's still somewhat a positive sign. And I th- I think the the really big demonstration is that this first season for Mourinho has all been all of it has been about changing our defensive style of play, how, how we can keep teams out and generally he's done that to, to, to great effect and I think that's the first step in if you, if you cut it down to really simple basics of improving the attack and then improving the defence we've done the defence, when you get rid of Smalling and Jones, when we have our proper defenders uh, we've done that and it's just now about getting onto the attacking side of things
1: well, I mean, yeah, I, I think it definitely shows that we we know how to kind of grind out results because there was times in that in that run where you know we had to pull something out of the bag to not to not end up losing the game. You think that to Stoke when Rooney broke broke the records, brings to mind straight away. But I just think you know we've ended up moving further and further away from the top of the table, um, and you know further away from the top four now than we than we were when the when the run started. But I mean, I I, I see your point, but I just think. I would rather I'd rather take a few losses in there and end up with more points overall. But regardless of, of the unbeaten run, you know, our season now kind of rests on on Thursday night against Celta Vigo and then hopefully uh trip to Stockholm for the Europa League final.
0: Yeah. I mean uh, again on the unbeaten run, it says something that no one thinks we, we even have a chance of losing to Celta Vigo. I uh, there's I mean for me there are thoughts that we could make it very nervy as we did against um, against Anderlecht. And I, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if, if we, honestly, if, if we had a one-one draw against Celso Vigo and somehow scrape through, very fortunately. But because of the unbeaten run, I at the moment we we're going into every game thinking we're going to win this, and that's why it was so strange coming away from the Emirates on Sunday. Me and my brother were walking away, and we were saying we, we haven't felt like this for quite a while. We haven't we haven't lost for since. Um, since I guess Chelsea in the FA Cup quarter final yeah. so and that was the first out of many so it's, it's just a strange feeling to lose um, so as bad as unbeaten run it was it, it was still an unbeaten run and it, it breeds confidence um, in terms of just Mourinho and big games particularly big away games um, I saw Neville and Carrigan had a big row about this on Monday Night Football I haven't actually watched <laughs> that yet um, but uh, I've, uh, I saw lots of people talking about that on Twitter I mean what do we think because it's I mean the thing is if, if you're going to make that many changes and if if you're treating that game as irrelevant and it means nothing then why when you're 2-0 down was there no fight whatsoever because he he brought on Marcus Rashford he brought on Jesse Lingard two players he w- wouldn't want to bring on he would have wanted to rest it, but then we still didn't go for it except Rashford which is, is a really strange sort of oxymoron to me
1: yeah so, so this is in, in general, I don't have as many problems as a lot of people do in Mourinho setting up defensively for big games, uh, especially when, at the moment, we don't have a, a team that can kind of stack up in every position on the pitch to, let, let's say, Chelsea. So I, I don't, I'm not necessarily against playing defensively against big teams. You go back to, um, I, I think Gary, Gary Neville used this example. In, in 2008, we played Barcelona in the Champions League semi-final. Rooney and Park who were playing on the wings on the wing that day. They played as, as wing-backs the whole game. And sometimes you do have to do that. And I'm not necessarily against it. Against Arsenal, I think that the, the issue is, why make eight changes and effectively signal that this really isn't the biggest priority of your season? Why go out there with a team like that and then set up to just take a draw? Because a draw didn't help anyone. Um, and if we're going to make that many changes and effectively say, well, we don't really care about the outcome of this game, why not go for it? because you're effectively saying well by resting all the players you're effectively saying that you know the Premier League isn't your biggest priority and that you kind of think top 4 is already over and that the open league is the the best way to get back into the Champions League so why set up that defensively it's not like we had anything to lose if we go out with all those eight changes it's not like we have really much to lose so why not just go for it open the game up play some expensive football and see what see what can happen
0: i mean the the the, the most common stat used was um Man United still haven't scored away to a top six team this season in the Premier League and are the only Premier League team with, with no goals against the top six away from home, which is a, an incredible stat, to be fair, um, and particularly against Arsenal. I mean, aside from the 3-1 humiliation last season where Louis van Gaal's tactics were beyond abysmal with Bastian schwein being dragged out of position all over the pitch by Santi Cthorla, um, aside from that game, we've generally done really well at the Emirates. It's not—it's not that hard a place to go. Although Arsenal rarely lose there, you—you you, you expect to score at the Emirates against a a weak Arsenal side who are who are really there for the taking and, a, and not a good team, despite them being on a on one of their classic end of season runs. Um, I mean, it's just—it it really just annoyed me how little effort there was, and it's not about passion. It's not about this this your passion or or anything like that. It's just. Why Why bother? Why Why bother going out there and playing if when you're you're 2-0 down, and it was only about 65 minutes or so, I think. I haven't actually watched the highlights back since, since going, but I think it was only about 65 minutes or so where they went 2-0 up. And then we got back into the game to, to a certain extent, quite a small extent, but um, why bother bringing Rashford on, bringing Lingard on if, if you're not going to go for it? Um I I don't I don't mind defensive tactics, but when you're two 0 down, I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, and and what you know, what's the point of bringing on Lingard and Rashford if you're then just going to keep the the same style and play Lingard as a wing back in, instead of whoever you bring on? It just doesn't doesn't really make any sense to to do that. I, that, that. that's actually been a theme with a lot of Mourinho substitutes this season. Um, just in a, and in a general sense, it seems like a lot of the time he kind of brings on players without. Actually, so he changed the personnel without actually changing the tactics. Um, it, it happened a lot. I remember the game against um, one of the one of the awful home draws we had recently. And by the end of the game, we had we had about eight eight attackers on the pitch or something stupid like that. And although we had so many of those attacking players on the pitch, we never actually changed our tactics. We literally just had always attacking players on the pitch playing in strange positions. And it just it seems like a lot of the time Mourinho just brings people on, but keeps them in the same roles that the other people have been playing so nothing actually changes
0: yeah I mean I yeah I understand that point and as well you, you had the tactics yesterday or, or you had the tactics on Sunday where you've got Juan Mata and Henrik Mkhitaryan spending so long defending that they were basically another fullback we, we were we were virtually playing with two fullbacks on, on each side we had um, Tuan Zebe and Mata at right back and uh, Mkhitaryan and Darmian at left back and I mean, there's no need for that, particularly in the in the final moments. You 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 never got the, the, the two wide players going forward, and and it made no sense at Tuna Down. And I think just on Mikitarian, he's in he's in poor form. Um, I I would not be starting him against Celta Vigo. Um, I mean, when he's at it, fantastic player, as as shown many a time during November, December, uh, January. Uh, and he scored quite a few recently as well but absolutely anonymous against Arsenal as many players were I mean I mean let's 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 have one positive at least Um, I I saw a good tweet from I think it was Jay on at RFFH on Twitter saying years from now all that game will be remembered for is the Premier League debuts of Axel Twine Debele and Scott McTominay and He's almost certainly right, unless Arsenal pull off another top four miracle. Um, and, and Twan Zebe and McTominay today, sh- uh, on Sunday showed the, that the pathway to the first team is still there. And there's some fantastic youngsters coming through at United, particularly in under 18s, maybe not in the, in the under 23s who we'll tell you about later. Um, and it, it's just good that even under Mourinho, all this pessimism around giving youth a chance and, for me, it hasn't yet been good enough, but it's really difficult to put players in when, when you're under pressure, when the results aren't going, when you're away, when there's no confidence in the team, when there's lots of injuries. It's a fantastic game. Yeah, he
1: really did play brilliant. I was very, very, very pleased with his performance, especially going up against Alexis Sanchez in your first ever Premier League game. It's no no easy task, but he dealt with him superbly. And despite all the disarray that was going on around him in defence, there's not really any other way I can describe it. Um, he stayed calm. He kept his head, and and he had a brilliant games And I mean, we've been wanting Transer to play for a while now, and I'm glad that he's finally got his opportunity. And I hope that he will end up getting some more, hopefully, towards the end of this season, and more so next season as well.
0: I mean, go Alexis definitely tried to target him as well. He's he's stuck on him throughout the game. Yeah. And uh, the best moment came. I didn't. I don't. I haven't really seen it probably because it was the opposite corner from where where the United fans were. But. Um, I think it was probably around 75 minutes or so, if I, if I remember correctly. And Twanseva bodies Alexis to the floor, takes the ball and calmly plays it out from the back. And it's great, it's great to see him show the qualities which he's shown at youth level, because you, you often don't get that. But he came in and although often suspect aerial for the under 23s, and that's probably his biggest weakness. Um, and, and that might have been why he, uh, he wasn't brought on against Fernando Llorente against Swansea. He was good in the air. He was strong, uh, physical, he was positionally good uh, a couple of times caught out, but generally pretty good. Playing in a completely unnatural position that he hasn't played all season for the end of the 23s. And his best quality is, is, is his ability to, to play out from the back, and he, he did that fantastically as well. And I think Mourinho now knows that he can trust him, and, and we'll probably see Zebe again before the end of the season. And uh, on Chris Smalling, I think that could be it for, for his time at Man United. Yeah,
1: I, I really hope this can be kind of a, a jumpstart to the rest of his career here because he definitely has a big future for me. I think he's one of the best defensive products that we've produced out of our academy in a long time. Um, I really hope that him and, and Fossey Menza actually kind of become a little bit of a forgotten figure this season uh, through injury as well as kind of not having many opportunities. But I hope both of them end up kind of becoming very, very important players next season because I think there are definitely some people that need to move on. We've mentioned Smalling and Jones a lot. And I'd like to see um, Twanzebe and fossey Mentzon kind of step up and try and, to some extent, take their place, I guess. Maybe not not as uh, first-choice rotation players, but definitely as, as kind of they're a decently big part of, of our squad because um, I think they definitely both have bright futures. And whenever they've played, they've never really failed us. So I think they definitely have done everything that they need to do to earn the chances. And now, hopefully, Mourinho will reward them next season. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um... Yeah, and that, that really is the only positive out of the game. Um, and yeah, just hope that ever gets uh, one or two more chances before the end of the season. And, and Smalling, and, and just on Wayne Rooney, um, oh, Jesus, <laughs> what a poor performance. I mean, everyone had a bad game, but it's, it's more noticeable with Rooney because of, because of his status, obviously, and, and he's been scapegoated for a long time. And uh, finally, these last two seasons probably bar two little spells of, of good form. Uh, he, he deserved the criticism that he's, that's come by him. Um, and that was a really poor performance. Um, and particularly that chance where he should have squared it to matter, just didn't look up and, and shot straight straight at Peter which was really disappointing. Um, oh yeah, just a, a little story from the away end. Um, we uh, every time we started seeing Ole Ole Ander Herrera, this uh, this man with the Spanish flag would uh, raise it up and start doing a thumbs up, turned around at us, and laughing every time. And he came over at half time and um, asked us if he'd, if he'd got the words right to the Ander Herrera song. And we were like, yeah, yeah, just to, just change a couple of words around. And then he was telling us um, how he was a childhood friend of anda Herrera. And he'd gone to the hotel that morning, had, a, had an hour sit down and a coffee with anda Herrera. And uh, when he was when he was a kid, Herrera playing for I think Zaragoza's, um under 15s or under 16s or something, told him to come to the game and Herrera scored and ran over to him celebrating and said, "This one's for you." Um, yeah, so it's nice to see. Uh, it's, it's, it, you always wonder about footballers' friends from from when they were young, and I know that Marcus Rashford and his mates from when he was a kid, they're all the same, the same group. But I mean, for a lot of them. If you're if you're moving from Spain to England, it must be hard to keep that up. It's weird to to actually meet one of one a friend of someone so big, and it must be strange to be in that situation. And uh, we've we've got Celta Vigo on Thursday in the second leg, but let's just have a, a quick word about the first leg before we go into our youth and loan roundup for for the last seven days. Um, a one 0 victory away in Spain. Um, a fantastic atmosphere from the the Celta Vigo fans, who definitely definitely not all of them turned up the week before. There was a great video of United. Uh, a United-Spanish fan standing in the Celta Vigo end fully joining in with every single chant that United started seeing and surprisingly didn't get knocked out in the entire 90 minutes. But what, what do we think of it as a game?
1: Uh, I, I, th- I thought it was a very good performance, actually, from, from United. Um, I'm, I'm actually kind of disappointed that we didn't end up scoring more than just the one goal, Paul finishing us down yet again. But generally, generally a very, very good performance, very professional away performance in Europe. Uh, we dominated the whole game. We quietened down Celta Vigo's um, brilliant fans, to be fair. Um, we managed to quiet them down pretty early. Controlled the game, created a good amount of chance. I think Celta Vigo had maybe one or two, one good chance and one one from like a deflected shot. Romero had to tip over, and that was that was it for the entire game. So I thought it was a really good performance. And um, Marcus Rashford. I mean, I mean, what can, what can you say about um,
0: it? Yeah. I mean, as he, I mean, I remember Brian Robson. I think. Probably eight or nine months ago saying Rashford is one of the best free kick takers I've I've seen in, in many a year. And I've I remember him scoring a couple for the under eighteens, quite similar free kicks, maybe from the other side, but as he shaped up for that one you were thinking, Oh, Beckham? Beckham and then he, he, he just I mean it, obviously it wasn't as good as Beckham against Everton back in uh, must have been must have been two thousand three, but the the technique and the, the position Positioning of the ball and and the keeper's positioning was poor, but what a fantastic strike and uh, what a kid,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I I noticed uh, Mourinho was calling Axel Twanzebe the kid <laughs> as well, so uh, we've got a, we've got a few of them now. Right, a busy week for Man United's youngsters. Axel Twanzebe got his first start at first team level. Scott McTominay made his debut as a sub. Uh, McTominay captain Man United to a 2-2 draw against Arsenal at under 23 11 on Monday night at the Emirates, uh, playing on the same pitch just. 24 hours or so later Arsenal dominated heavily in the first half and could have scored 4 or 5 had it not been for some great goalkeeping from Ireland under 21 international Kieran O'Hara. However, United's poor defence was breached after the half-hour mark when Reece Nelson tapped in and Eddie Niketia made it two a few minutes later, driving a low shot past O'Hara into the bottom right corner. They could have had a couple more after with a few slips in the penalty area or f- poor final balls saving United. Nicky Butt's side didn't come out, all guns blazing in the second half, but after settling again, looked a much better side. The introduction of Tosin Kehinde for Charlie Scott in midfield helping a bit and a few other substitutions as well. And a bit of magic from Josh Harrop grabbed a goal back, finding a yard of space and driving home from the edge of the box. O'Hara denied Arsenal sub-Doniel Mallon from the penalty spot after a dubious decision which looked to be out of the area. Not long after, Arsenal defender Johnson stuck a Harrop pullback into his own net to give United a 2-2 draw. United surviving a late onslaught for a valuable point that confirms they won't be relegated from Premier League 2. Obviously a disappointing final finish for United in Premier League two, having having won the, the competition last season when it was the under twenty one Premier League, but uh, fears of relegation stopped now uh, with that point at Arsenal on Monday evening at under eighteen level, many of the same players were in action. Uh, losing 3-0 to Arsenal last Wednesday. A double from Matty Willick's brother Joe saw the Gunners win comfortably in Ultrinham. All three Willick brothers, Matty for United and Chris and Joe for Arsenal, played in the second half of the under-23s game. A brilliant moment for them and I'm, I'm sure a brilliant moment for their mum as well. Uh, in international use, Aidan Barlow scored three minutes into his England under-17 debut at the under-17 Euros in a 4-0 win against Ukraine. Leo Connor captained the Irish to a 2-1 win against Bosnia and Herzegovina. O'Connor is one of three nominees for the Jimmy Murphy Player of the Year Award, the Under-18 Award, alongside Angel Gomez and Callum Whelan. At Under-23 level, Twanzebe, Demi Mitchell and Josh Harrop are the nominees. And Dean Henderson has been called up for the England Under-20 squad for the World Cup later in May in South Korea. There's no Twanzebe in that squad within Play at United. Hopefully, if he plays again and does well, he might get a late and a first call-up for the Under-21 Euros with England. In youth transfer news, Daishan Redan, the much shorter Ajax product, is set to join Chelsea rather than United or City. And Joel Pereira, United's Portuguese goalkeeper, who Mourinho recently name-dropped on two occasions, is still a Benfica target and United are set to give him a new deal to stop him leaving. In low news, Sam Johnston's Aston Villa prevented Brighton from winning the championship in a 1-0 late win on Sunday, and Andreas Pereira played against Real Madrid as relegated Granada were thrashed. Gamarela started for Eintracht Frankfurt against Wolfsburg. He recently said he wants to stay at Eintracht permanently because of the lifestyle being better than Manchester. Right, Celta Vigo, the second leg of this Europa League semi-final on a Thursday night. At Old Trafford this time, back in front of the home fans. Um, I, mean, I mean, what are we going for this? I, I, I'm not predicting a... I mean, Celta Vigo looked pretty pretty average at home. But I feel like away from home at Old Trafford, they could have a little more... Strangely, have a little more confidence. Because they're, they're the massive underdog and, and come out and play a bit more. But hopefully they do come out and play a bit more because they're, they're a goal down and they need that away goal and that means we can have a bit more space and, and finally actually score some goals
1: yeah I'm definitely not expecting any, an easy an easy game um, so, so Tavigo didn't look amazing in the first leg I think their main threat came from was it Sisto down the left hand side um, who looked a threat I do I think they, they're going to have to come out and play especially in the second half maybe first half they'll look to you know just kind of lock it down make sure they've got a goal down early so they have a chance in the second half um, the problem is I've been thinking about this the other day. We've actually not not impressed that much in Europa League. We've been grinding at results and we've been doing enough every sort of kind of step of the way. But we've never had a really convincing performance yet. Um, and I mean, I obviously love to see that on Thursday, but I can't really see it. I, I'm with you from what you said earlier. I'm, I'm going for a one-one draw um, and for a very very nervy finish. I think we're going to go go ahead in the first half and we are going to score and make for a very very nervy
0: finish. Yeah yeah, I was saying before before we started recording that I could see another another nervy end as we had against Andalect in the in the quarter final at home um, when a, when when the kid popped up again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I, th- I think the Arsenal game again showed how much we miss Paul Pogba and yep. his return against Celta Vigo, or his likely return against Celta Vigo, as well as that of uh, we presume Antonio Valencia and uh and a few others will be will be much needed. Uh because Pogba to Rashford is, is becoming a, a wonderful partnership and yeah, I mean that that will be a, a big boost to to United against Celtic League on Thursday. Um yeah, I I said I said one one before we started recording. I'll I'll stick with that, though I would I would happily take some but I mean Celta Vigo did offer some kind of threat but really I was I was expecting a bit more from Sisto, Iago uh, Aspas and they they really really failed to to impress on Thursday at, at home in, in what's the probably the biggest game of, of the decade for Celta Vigo their, their first European semi-final I think I mean f- for them as well it's it's all based on Europa League there's nothing to play for for them in in La Liga, um, they, they as soon as they were safe, they stopped playing yeah. to focus on the Europa League, and it, it brought it brought reward by getting them into their first semi-final. And so, they they will have rested their players at the weekend, and and will be raring to go for this game. Um, so we've both gone 1-1 for the of Vigo game, and then we come back and play Tottenham Hotspur, whose whose title hopes are are effectively over. Chelsea just need a win at West Brom to. To secure the title um they to be fair to them they've been fantastic but um spurs just a, a matter of pride now and they they are a fantastic team and they haven't lost at white Hart lane so can't, can't be can't be too optimistic going into this uh
1: no it's very very tough especially since we just come away from just come away from north london against the t room this season haven't been as good and we still got pummeled there so Pretty hard to be optimistic. Um, the the only the only thing you can hope for is that because Tottenham their hopes are effectively over, maybe they'll stop, not stop playing, but maybe uh, not care quite so much. Because I think I don't know what they they needed they need one point is it to um, to guarantee second maybe two from City. So that's it. Pretty much the only thing you can hope for from Spurs. But I mean I I'd, I'd also be surprised to see. Uh, many of the, much of the team that plays Celta Vigo to start against Spurs. I think Mourinho at this point has kind of just kind of said that the Premier League season has gone. I'd, I'd be surprised to not see us rotate a lot again.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, I think we could see Tom and A Willock, uh, Dimitri Mitchell might start at left back even. He had a very good game against Arsenal for the under-23s. Um, and he, he's been one of the under-23s best player, Dimitri Mitchell. So I think we could start a few, a few more kids against against Spurs. I don't think Mourinho's going to go for it at all. Really, I think he's he's fully given up on top four. Which I I personally think is, I mean, it was always going to have to happen at some point. But at the same time, I think top four is genuinely still a possibility. Uh, a win at Spurs and suddenly you're back up there with Liverpool. Um, but I mean, there, there we go. Uh, it's his choice, and if it comes off, fantastic. We've we've won a trophy and we're in the Champions League. If it doesn't, well, uh, we'll we'll talk about him and his his first evening at United after hopefully a Europa League final if, if we if we beat Celtic yeah. on Thursday. Yeah.
1: yeah, I, I think it, it comes down to um, it comes down to this weekend really because we do still have a game in hand and in Liverpool. The, the, so if we win the game in hand, we're only two points behind, and then we just need them to drop. Drop points in one game, but they do have a very easy run in. They have West Ham and Middlesbrough to go. Um, so I'd be shocked if, if anything happens, but I think it was unfortunate the timing of the Arsenal game, come, like a hard game coming in between the two legs of the, the Europa League, but that's that's what happens when you don't... When you don't and we only have ourselves to blame for that, basically what I'm saying. Um, we could have wrapped up top four weeks ago if we'd have played well the whole season, so can't really blame anyone else for that. But I, I think top four... I think realistically, it's pretty much gone now. Um, I'd be very surprised if if Liverpool and or and or City managed to drop enough points to let us yeah, back I in. Yeah, I think
0: for City, it's it's pretty much there. I think for Liverpool, are still are still catchable, but I don't think we, I, don't, I think it's gone for United. I think Liverpool are catchable, but we, we won't do so. Um, we're not going to answer this question this week, um, but we forgot to to even mention it last week. Um, at Distinct Average said, congratulations on 100,000 listens. Thank you. Um, and to mark this event, how about your, your ultimate United 11? Um, far too much to think about in the next two minutes, but we will, we will think about it over the next seven days and we will answer that on the next episode in a, a little two or three minute segment at the end of series two, episode 37. But, um, for now, that's all we have time for on series two, episode 36 of the Manchester United weekly podcast. Um, thank you for listening. As always, thank you for, for, for subscribing. And leave us a review on iTunes if you've got a spare minute. Keep subscribing, keep following. You can follow us on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. You can follow at UTD Tate, T-A-I-T for Jack Tate on Twitter. And you can follow me at, at Harry Robinson64. Um, as always, thanks for listening. Enjoy the next week. Hopefully we'll have something to cheer about on Thursday. And indeed, we will be following uh, on the way to Stockholm as, as we were seeing for quite a while on, on Sunday at the Emirates and then we got Spurs on the Sunday away at White Hart Lane. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.